Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're excited to close down the series called Baggage. And uh, really, again, we get our text from Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, starting in verse 1. Many of you know it. You probably memorized it by now. It says, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, the baggage. Let us lay it aside. Let's strip it off, the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We want to run the race that God has set before us, and we do this by stripping off, laying aside this baggage that we carry. If you've missed some of them in the last few months, we'd love for you to go back online. You could check them out, experienceourchurch.com, and check out all the different messages. But uh, today I want to talk to you uh, on an important topic that every person on the planet deals with. And, you know, we started this series with the baggage of negative thinking the baggage of negative thinking. And today I want to talk to you, I want to close out the series on the baggage of negative talk. Negative talk. We, talk, we started with thinking what better way to close it out than the way that we speak. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know you're an angel in the way that you talk. I know, I know this has nothing to do with you. You are already home from Europe. You know what I'm saying? The bag's been completely unpacked. I know this is not you, but it is the person sitting next to you. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to talk to you about negative talk today because I believe it's something we all, it's a concept that we struggle with. And the Bible says, many of you know the scripture in uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. In our tongue, in our mouth, we have the power to speak life or death. Here's another way that I like to think of it is my words are watering something. My words are either watering life, the seed of life in my life, the seed of peace, the seed of joy, the seed of love, or it's, it's my words or watering the seed of negativity, of death, of pain, of shame, of guilt, of struggle. And so my words are watering something. And what I water grows. It's common, natural life that we live is in whatever we water, the seed of what we water, it grows. And so the tongue has the power. We have the power in ourselves, with our mouth, to water life or to water death. The, the word Proverbs, the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from the heart. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I wrote this down. What we speak reveals our heart and fuels our life. What we speak and how we speak fuels our life and reveals our heart. You want to know what your heart is really like. Evaluate your words. What we talk about and what we say and how we say it, this reveals our heart. And this is what the Bible says God is looking for. God is not looking for the way that we appear, the way that we dress, the way that we worship, the way that we raise our hands or don't raise our hands as loud as we clap or don't clap. The Lord is not looking for those things. He's looking, the Bible says, at our heart. How do we really know what our heart is like? We reevaluate. Our words in James chapter one and verse 26, it says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Oh, James, love him. 
He says, if you're, if you're a Christian and you claim to be a Christian, you go to church, woo, you go to church, great job. Oh, you read your Bible. Oh, you do a devotion in the morning. <gasps> wow. He says, you can't control your tongue and you do all that stuff. Everything you're doing, you're fooling yourself. It's worthless. James chapter three and verse five, verse six, verse five and six, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Uh, Wow. James goes into the conversation talking about the tongue and the evil of the tongue and how if we can control the tongue, it, we can control the whole body and it sets our whole, the course of our whole life on fire if we're not careful. And I want to talk to you about this because oftentimes we're so concerned about making sure that we're not insecure or trying not to be selfish or trying not to have negative thoughts, but we're speaking things because we feel them or we think them, and it's causing us to live out, because again, it reveals my heart, but it also fuels my life, and it causes me to live out a life that I never would want to live, all because I'm speaking it into my, into my life. James chapter three and verse two, it says, indeed, we all make mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, and can also control ourselves in every other way. I want to talk to you a few things to see about the baggage and reveal the baggage of, of negative talk in our lives. And the first one is this. He says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every way. We can, uh, the one way or one thing that we reveals our heart is outbursts of anger. Outbursts of anger. In James chapter one and verse 19, it says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It doesn't say everyone should be quick to speak, stop listening, and get real mad. He says we should be quick to listen. You ever started saying something and you tried to grab the words as you were saying them? Just me? Cool. This is what outbursts are. We get into these emotional states or these emotional feelings and we'll speak something and say something without even thinking about it and we speak it and next thing you know, we're harming or hurting someone around us because we have these quick outbursts, if you will, of just sharing it. Oh, because it's just the way I feel right now. When the scripture says, no, wait, be quick to listen and slow to speak, not quick to speak and slow to listen. We can have all different types of outbursts because of all different things. We could be tired from work or tired from studying school. We could, be, we could have somebody gives us a negative comment so we want to outburst or we could be stressed out because of work or stressed out because of something going on relationally. We can be uh, uh, feeling unappreciated at home with our children or with your spouse. You can be feeling unappreciated with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or a family member. The kids ain't listening. Come on, somebody. You, you can be frustrated with that. You could be going through a breakup and so you're emotionally worked up you're, you can be uh, receive an un, uh, uh, unwanted or unexpected bill in your life and you just have these outbursts and like oh it's just because I'm going through dot 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 
Well, I've been on, I'm on the way to church and we're in the van or we're in the SUV because we don't want a van. That's not cool. You know what I'm saying? But we, we're in the SUV and we're on the way to church and somebody says something and oh, all of a sudden I have this outburst and oh, Pastor Jordan, the devil's attacking us. The devil's attacking my family. Mm, sir, ma'am, probably isn't the devil. It's probably that we have not learned to control our tongue. And so we speak something because we feel it and it creates this outburst that causes more harm than good. I love to fish. I don't know if any of you ever fish, but we often, when we fish, most of the time, you cast, and as you cast, you throw this like long, like you, you throw as far as you can away from the boat, and like you sit and you wait, and it's like this peaceful moment, and you're sitting and you're waiting, and then you get a bite. This one time when we were fishing, this one time never happened other than one time in my life. I was with my family, my brother and my father, and we were fishing, and we, there were so many fish around us that we didn't even have time to really even put bait on the hook. Like we th would throw it in before we'd even have time to throw it, like even to click the reel. Literally, the thing would sink and a fish would grab it. And we like freaking out, grab it, go, go grab a bait. We're yelling at each other, grab it. And it's like this, oh, these fish are everywhere, and we're just, just reeling them in as quick as you can get it. Never done anything like it in my life. It was a greatest moment of my life. Okay, cool. <laughs> but here's the thing. I was thinking about this and oftentimes this is how our outbursts are in our lives. If we're quick to listen, we have this cast where we think about it. We have time to, to think and we get it where we want. But if there's so much going on around us, we're stressed or we have it, it, anxious about something at home or we have something going on and we're tired emotionally or, or the kids are acting up and we have all these things going on, then we just kind of just throw out. And then what happens is whoever's around us grabs that, latches onto that, and takes off with it. And here's what happens. Those words cause harm because they're running with them. And to us, it was just a quick little like. See, this is what the enemy tries to do. The enemy tries to use our words to create harm in someone else's heart. Why? Because his, his desire is for us to harden our hearts towards one another. The enemy's goal is to create hardened hearts relationally with one another and with God. And so this is what outbursts do. Outbursts feed or water the, the thought process uh, or, the, or, the, or the, the, the concept of this, this process of, okay, my heart is getting hardened or someone's heart's getting hardened. And when I outburst, I'm just watering that hardened heart. And so I want my spouse or I want my kids or I want my boss or I want my coworkers. I want them to, to know that I care about them. I want them to know that I love them. I want them to know that I, that I appreciate them. But I have these outbursts and so I don't understand why they don't feel this way. It's because we're having these moments of where we're, we're speaking things and we're, they're running with them and we think all is good. We said we're sorry, but they've held on to those things and their hearts have been hardened and now there's this distancing that's being created relationally between one one another. This is what the enemy tries to do. Now, if your heart's been hardened, the Bible says that we are to forgive. We know that love keeps no records of wrong, but here's what I know. Uh, sorry is not, I'm sorry, I feel bad about it. Sorry is I feel bad about it. And now I want to change the way that I'm responding to you. I don't want to just keep doing it. I want, I'm sorry. I want to show you now because I want to change my response towards you. Why? Because I love you. But this baggage of, of outbursts of, with our words can cause us to lead us to this destruction relationally because of this hardened hearts in our lives. And we have to be careful as well, I would say, with, as far as just outbursts of sarcasm. Sarcasm. That was a kind of weird way to say it. 
an outburst of sarcasm. You know, I, quick remarks, I'll say this, quick remarks can leave long-term roots. We are living in a culture and a society where sarcasm is praised. And listen, I'm all for humor. I'm all for making some jokes. I'm all for picking on one another. But if our words and our humor is creating hurt, we're off. Why? Because our words can speak life or healing or hurt. And so what am I about when with my, the way that I speak? Oh, well, Pastor Jordan, like I'm just being funny. Like it's just, we're just cut up. Like that's just the way our family is. Whoa, 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 careful. Because if your family's like that, more than likely somebody in the family has a hardened heart. Why? Because there's only so many words we can take that are negative before our heart starts to close. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never. Whoever made that song is the greatest liar on the planet. In fact, I'll say it was the devil himself because the Bible says he is the father of lies. Sticks and stones will break our bones and words will destroy us. Just me? Okay, cool. And so it's important that we understand this. I want to evaluate, okay, am I having these outbursts of, of emotional frustration where I just say something and it's hurting someone around me? Or am I, being, am I just having these outbursts of sarcasm where I'm just picking on people, but my picking on each other is causing our hearts to be hardened? Why? Because the enemy is trying to relationally cause distance between us. Because if he can cause distance between us, he can deceive us. James chapter 3 and verse 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. There's outbursts that we have to be careful of, but also it says the tongue has, can make these grand speeches and a tiny spark can create a great forest of fire. We also have to be careful in the baggage of lying. lying. It's interesting because he says that the tiny spark can create a great forest. This is what a lie can do in our lives. Lying, the Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 44, for you the father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was just murdered from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is Jesus speaking and he's talking about the enemy of our soul. He's talking about Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whichever word you want to use. He's using this, this concept and he's saying, I want you to know this, this enemy of our soul is the father of lies. And so the Bible says that God hates lying. Why? It's not because God doesn't like us or God dis, displeased with us when we lie. Now, he doesn't like it. He, doesn't, he hates the sin. But here's what it is. It's because the Bible says that this is a part. Of, in fact, it says, uh, your father, he was a murderer. Uh, he speaks, uh, it was verse uh, 44, it says, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. His nature is lying. So the Bible says that when we become Christians, when we believe in Christ, we become new creations in Christ. Our old nature, our old life is gone and we become new creature creations in Christ. We take on the nature of God. See, God hates lying because what we do is we actually put aside the nature of God and put back on the nature of the enemy. 
And so we become a part of the character, the Bible calls it. The character of the enemy is lying. And so we put back on that character and we start to respond that way. This is why God hates lying. It's because we're actually pushing aside the nature of who he has now created us to be because of his son, Jesus. Lying is not just like, oh, it's just a little fib. Don't worry about it. Oh, it's just a, it's, well, I'm just exaggerating the story a little bit because, you know, the fish was like this big, but like, this big, you know what I'm saying? And here's the thing, if we're not careful, we don't realize that even though we're just maybe covering something up, maybe we're trying to not hurt someone by telling the truth, I don't know. But if we're not careful, the, the Bible says God hates lying because we're actually taking and putting on the character of the enemy. And here's what happens. It's this, this, this watering, this, this seed of deception in our lives. And here's what it's interesting. It's, it's almost first nature for us to tell a lie. And the culture we live in, it's almost first nature. It's easier to speak a lie than it is to speak a truth. Because, well, we care about what somebody thinks of us. And, oh, well, well I got to be careful. Like, the truth can be offensive. And if, if I'm not careful, like, I don't want to offend anybody around me. I'm not saying be mean to people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God wants us to be people that speak and stand for truth. Not being deceived. And, again, relationally, if we're talking about it the way it works, this is what happens. See, we, we start with the, this outburst, this, this concept of watering the seed of, of destruction and, and hardened hearts, and it creates this distancing. And then from the distancing now, I can become, begin, to begin, dece- begin to become deceived between one another relationally. Now I'm hiding something relationally and I'm, I'm, I'm making sure nobody knows about this on my phone or I'm over here at work and this conversation's hit. And next thing you know, we start to deceive ourselves. We start to lie. We start to cover things up. And this is baggage that I believe the enemy does not want. I mean, God does not want us to live. And I, I think this, if, if you want to, the Bible says that God is a God of peace and you want to lose your peace, just, just be a liar. You want to lose peace, just tell lies. I think the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. The enemy doesn't even have to steal our peace. We'll just give it to him when we lie. We'll give him our peace. You ever been caught up in a lie? Come on, somebody. It's just me. Okay, that's all good. I'll tell you my life then. And you ever been caught up in a lie, and then you got to tell another lie, and next thing you're covering things up, next thing you go, all this stuff going on, and next thing you know, you're so overwhelmed that you have no peace in your life. Why? It's because you've given the enemy your peace by telling lies. How do we find peace? We tell the truth. Oh, well, you don't understand what it may do, or you don't understand. No, I don't, I, it, whether it's difficult or whether it's easy, the truth always wins out, and truth is what brings us peace. peace. Why? Because really, truth is the foundation of our integrity. Truth is the, the foundation of integrity. And so here's what it is. I want to have integrity. I want people to be able to trust me. And so I need to be able to speak truth in my life. Okay, I know nobody in the room online, nobody lies. I know it was just me. I know, I'm sorry, but that's what it is. Okay, and here's the thing about lying too. We have to be careful, especially relationally for those that are married or with a significant other. Really lying, it, it, it really destroys a lifetime of trust that you've built. Trust is something that takes a lifetime to build and a moment to lose. 
And so here's what we do. We want to continue to build trust. And so how do we do that? We continue to speak truth over our lives. James chapter three and verse six, it says, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body, corrupting your entire body. The, the baggage of outbursts, lying, and then also now grumbling, grumbling. <laughs> here's what I know about grumbling. We all do it. We can grumble, it's, I'll say it this way, it's easy to grumble. Let me say this, let, let's just say, let me just go through different illustrations. We can get into a restaurant and the food service takes a little longer than we want. And we can be with Christians, we can be with other believers, we can be people that love Jesus, we can be people that like worship their hands and we look at each other and we say, what is taking so long? We can get the food and the food's cold. And when the next thing you know, we start to eat the food and we're like, this food is cold. I can't believe, where's the waiter? Where's the waitress? It's taken so long. It's, it's, I, I waited an hour. Not only did I wait an hour, I got in my food and the food is cold. That's because it's been sitting for an hour. Just me? Okay. And we can grumble about our food. We can sit in traffic. We can get in the car and we can start to ride around the road. All of a sudden there can be this crazy, crazy accident and we're sitting in traffic on the interstate and here's what we do. We're not thinking about the person in the accident. We're complaining, I got places to be. What's taking so long? We can drive by the construction workers and we can say, they've been out there for six years. <laughs> Just me? Okay. We can walk through things and we can get in the concept of where we're studying and we're, oh my gosh, I, I gotta study for this test. Oh my goodness, like I gotta, oh my goodness, I have to study for this test, for this education that I'm getting to help my future. Oh, oh, we can complain about our jobs. Well, you don't understand. I work more than 40 hours a week. Oh my gosh, they're, they're paying you to do something. Oh wow. We can grumble about our jobs. Let's go a step further. We can, we can grumble about gas prices. Just me? Nope. Seen it on Instagram and Facebook. It ain't just me. And here's what we do. We see the gas. It's gone up another seven cents. Oh, my God. What do we do? Ah, ah, who did this? You voted this. Ah. I hate to tell you, sir. Ma'am, but when we grumble, it doesn't help anything. In fact, it makes it worse. I've never grumbled and complained and then felt better afterwards. I've never pumped the gas and been grumbling about the gas and watched the gas go down to $3 a gallon. I can't believe it's $4.60 something cents. And as, as I'm pumping, all of a sudden an angel touches it and it goes down to 3 Grumbling creates this corruption in our lives that makes us more miserable. We're speaking and watering discontentment in our life. What we should be doing is, God, thank you that you've given me the money to be able to sit in this restaurant and someone serve me. I ain't got to cook tonight. Bless God, I'll wait an hour. Come on, somebody. What we should be doing when we're in traffic, we should be thinking about we are literally considered the 3% most richest people in the world if you own a vehicle. We should be thanking God, oh my gosh, I could be anywhere on this planet, but you've blessed me enough to have a car. 
We should be caught up in, instead of being working, worried about the gas. God, even though gas prices have doubled, I'm still able to afford gas. You still provide. And so here's what we're doing. We're either watering discontentment by grumbling, or we're watering contentment and satisfaction by being grateful in our lives. We have to be careful what we speak, because if we're not careful, we can get caught up with what everybody else is doing. Oh, my goodness, if I see one more picture on Facebook of the gas prices. I'm like, does anybody know that we all know the gas prices? I guess this is a new one for me. I'm never, I didn't know. And here's what it is. And listen, if you've put, let me, let me, if you've posted something on the internet, <laughs> I'm not making fun of you. I'm not, I'm, I have no idea who you are, in fact. I hope you have, because that's all good. But here's what I know. I'm just reminding all of us. Because I may not post it, but I've thought it. So I'm just, as, I'm just as much to blame as anybody else. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. Grumbling is either watering discontentment in my life, and I'm doing exactly what the culture is doing. Or I'm watering gratefulness in my life and I'm allowing people to see Jesus through me even in my hard times. What would it look like instead of complaining about the gas prices and how expensive they are if we turned around and we paid for the person behind us and we said, we just want to bless you because we know it's a hard time and we know that gas is expensive but we know this, I've been blessed so I want to be a blessing to you. What would it look like if the mindset changed, but it starts with being careful and watching the way that we speak. James chapter three and verse nine. Sometimes I praise our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely my brothers and sisters, this is not right. It's outburst, it's lying, it's grumbling, and then it's gossip. It's gossip. Gossip, I'll say this, is a poison that we're putting in other people's minds, changing their perspective on a person. Gossip is poisoning someone else's mind to change their perspective on a different person. Gossip is so easy to do because we just get caught up in what someone else is saying or what someone else is doing. We want to talk about it. We want to know the news. We want to be involved and we want to know what's happening. But if we're not careful, what we can do is we can end up poisoning one another's minds because gossip is a poison. It's a poison that directly affects the way that we see. Gossip is a, a poison that directly affects the way that we see. And what I mean by that is the way we see others. Let me explain, Okay. Somebody may come to you and say, oh, man, so, uh, uh, Jordan, oh, man, Jordan, man, he, he's, been, he's, been, he's been preaching the word. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, Jordan, like he, he hears from God. Oh, awesome. But then you can say, oh, somebody can come to you and say, oh, well, you know what? Well, Jordan, like dot, 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 dot. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a youth pastor, I had someone, just about gossip, I had someone as a youth pastor, as a middle schooler. He didn't like the way that I, I preached something. It was about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And so he made this rumor out in his middle school that Pastor Jordan was under the bleachers at the football game smoking weed with his friends. I was like, okay, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And so here's what happens. It's, it's uh, that, 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 when we gossip, we're directly trying to poison someone else's perspective on someone else. And so we have to be careful and not just sharing news. And is this poisoning someone's mind on the perspective of how they see so-and-so? Does that make sense? 
And so it's not just news. It's I gotta be careful of what I say. And then here's the thing. Does so-and-so really need to hear this? Is this really valuable or does this affect so-and-so in my life? If not, then I probably need to go to the person that I'm talking about instead of just talking about them to someone else. Does that make sense? Because here's what happens. That's where the poison stops. That's where the cure is when we can go to one another and we can say, hey, I've heard this. Would you talk with me about this? What do you think about this? How does this affect you? Whatever. And it can cause us to work those things out and keeping the gossip from growing. Does that make sense? So we gotta be careful of lying, of outbursts, of grumbling, of gossip. Now I wanna talk to you very quickly, just a few things on how we do that and we'll close today. Proverbs chapter four and verse 23, it says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's what I said. It's, how, do we really, how do we really remove the baggage of negative talk. One, we have to know it starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. It says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. Here's what I said, I wrote down, my words won't change until my heart does. My words don't change until my heart does. Take inventory on your heart. How do I take inventory on my heart? I evaluate what I say. Am I talking with impure speech? Probably more than likely that means my heart is impure. Am I talking in gossip? Am I talking in outburst? More than likely that means there's something going on in my heart. Am I talking with, with, with lying to others and, and grump? More than likely that means there's something in my heart that needs to shift because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I need to take inventory on my heart. And I do that by evaluating my words. My very first job was 14 years old. I worked at Subway Sandwiches. And I was what we call a Subway Sandwich Artist. I didn't just make sandwiches, I was a sandwich artist. In fact, back then in the day, back in the day, we had shirts that said sandwich artist on them. You know what I'm saying? Now you go to Subway, there's no sandwich artist. I said, you can't make my sandwich. You know what I'm saying? I was a sandwich artist. And every Thursday night, every single Thursday night, we went in and the truck came and brought in all the food, all the stuff, all the processed meats, praise God. It brought in all the food and we had to take inventory on all the things that we received. So then after, after we took it, we checked, okay, there's three turkeys, check, okay. There's seven breads, check, okay. There's the meatballs, check, okay. There's the roast beef, check. We went through all the inventory. And after we went through the inventory, then we were able to know, okay, this is what we have. And if we were missing something, then we had to call the company or if we had too many of things, we were to call the company and we had to get those things fixed. It's the same thing with our hearts. As we evaluate, we take inventory in our heart. How do I really change my speech? I have to take inventory on my heart. I need to evaluate what I say. Okay, I've noticed that I've lied three times today. Check. Okay, I've noticed that I've grumbled today. Check. Okay, I noticed I had an outburst today. Check. Okay, I notice that I continue to be negative about check. Okay, now, okay, I see the checks now. Okay, what is the process of the plan on how I fix that? Because now I see the inventory and let me explain how to do it. Now, you have to pray it before you say it. Pray it before you say it. As simple as that, pray it before you say it. Uh, this, would sh- this would shift and change so much of our lives if we would just take two minutes and pray about it before we spoke it. It would save a lot of, for those that are married, it would save a lot of frustrations in your marriage. Just me? Cool. Pray it before you say it. Stop, think, pray, speak. Stop, think, pray, 
speak. Stop, think, pray, speak. Here's what we do. Speak, 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 stop, speak, pray. I'm sorry. Pray before you say it. How do we do this? We allow ourselves a moment. And you know, people say count to 10, do all these different things. That's all great. But here's what I know. If you even allow yourself a 30 second, even I don't even say 30 seconds, a 10 second. If you even allow yourself a 10 second, God, do you want me to say this? More than likely, it's gonna be a check in your heart. And you're gonna say, nope, not gonna say that today. God, okay, God, do you want me to grumble about this? Hmm, nope, I can tell you right now. Nope, check that one. No, he does not. Get back in the car, sit back down, put on the music, turn it real loud, whatever you got to do. Pray it before you say it. Because here's what I know. I'd rather talk to God about it than talk about someone else. I'd rather pray for that person instead of talk to someone else about that person. I'd rather ask God for it then I would complain about it and grumble about it on this planet. I'd rather talk to him and pray to him and ask him before I just speak and think my own wisdom's good enough. I want to first pray before I say. I know it's so simplistic and I know it's so cliche, but I'm telling you, it will help you so much. And you're just, just give yourself a 10 second, just a window of just stepping and saying, okay, God, do you want me to say this? Nope, don't want you to tell your wife that. Okay, not going to tell my wife that. Praise God. Pray before you say it. Because here's what I know. I'm watering something. Life or death in every word that I speak. There are no, there's no middle ground with our words. The Bible doesn't say it speaks life, bedtime, and then death. There's no like rest time in, with our words. Our words are always either speaking life or death. And so at every moment that I'm speaking, I am watering something in my life. Am I watering hardened hearts? Am I watering grumbling and, and distancing and deception? Am I watering those things? Or am I, am I allowing my words to water love and joy and peace and encouragement? I want someone to know me as someone that uses words to build up, not tear down. To build my own life up. I'm not even just talking about you for a second. I'll be selfish for a second. I still got to go back and work on that baggage. But I'll be selfish for a second. I want to I build myself up. And lying and deceiving and grumbling. These things don't build my life up. They tear my life down. And so here's what I want to do. I want to make sure that the words that I speak are, yes, watering life to others around me. But I also want it to water life in me. We're watering something. Here's the question I would ask you today as we close. As we close down our trip to Europe. What are you watering? As you take inventory in your life, are you speaking negative things over your life? Because here's what I know. The insecurity in your heart can cause you to start speaking negatively about your life. And let me tell you something. Those negative things you're saying is only feeding more negativity in your life. Not gonna change it. And so the question I would ask you today, what are you watering? Because what I see in the scripture is the Bible says we are to be Christ-like if we call ourselves Christians, Christ-like. And from what I see in the scripture of what Jesus says to us and about us, it's nothing 
but healthy, strong, encouraging things that build us up in our lives every day and every day in and out. I would encourage you today, take inventory on your heart. What are you watering in your life? Because I'm telling you this, whatever you water will grow. Amen.